to Cubba Cubby Blue. You're, maybe the Cubs just played better on the Pacific Time Zone home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I am Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, why you can't watch Apple TV at your favorite local bar, and more at 4 Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Well, I'm feeling pretty good after that week of Cubs baseball. I mean, a little bit of a surprise that I'm feeling that good. West Coast road trips don't really go that well for us, but Cubs like playing on the road again. Maybe they just need to get Willie Nelson to get on the bus with them and sing them that song and just ride off into the sunset because uh, they're bad at home and good on the road. So I'll take it. Yeah, Al had a piece up about that and also looking at the fact that the Cubs have been better, I think, at night uh, this season than they have been during day games, which that's all bizarro Cubs territory for me. They're usually better during the day and better at home, and that is not the case this season. But wins are wins, and um, it was a nice uh, nice little three-game set against the Diamondbacks. The Cubs won two out of three, just like they did with the Padres. Always good to win four out of six on a West coast road trip. So hard to complain. Yeah. And I, and I won't for once. <laughs> well, I, I, I will maybe complain, a little, maybe, I'll complain about little. one thing um, for Friday night's game, but it doesn't have anything to do with the baseball. It has to do with these MLB streaming deals. You know, I was working on a piece and you and I both sort of noted this on Twitter. One of the benefits of living in the neighborhood is that you get to walk around Wrigley field all the time and see what is going on. And so you know, I saw that they had uprooted Mr. Cub from his traditional home, and I got kind of curious, started walking around to see what was going on there. And they've got all the statue bases lining the end of Gallagher Way now, including one is set up for Fergie, which, um, if you didn't know, that that will be on Friday prior to the 120 start. The Cubs will unveil the Ferguson Jenkins statue. They've got a nice ceremony planned. Sounds like Pat Hughes is going to do some stuff there. So if you have time on Friday, be sure to head down to the ballpark. Uh, I think that all kicks off around 1130. But anyway, so there was kind of a little bit of a mystery there, at least from my mind, because there's extra statue bases. There's two of them that don't have any writing on them or names. And like, I, I suppose the Cubs could just put whatever they want there, like Hall of Fame or Welcome to the Wrigley Hero Walk, or I don't know what they're going to call it. But those could also be bases for future statues. And so I was working on a piece to see, like, hey, who, who do we want these future statues to be? Mm. And as I'm walking around taking those pictures, the Cubs game on Apple TV had started in Arizona, and it's not on at Brick House. Not on at Lucky Door, not on across the street under all of those buildings at the Hotel Zachary. And I'm like, what is going on? They're all watching the NBA. They're all watching the NHL. The Lucky Door people were trying to find the Cubs game. They couldn't do it. Uh, It turns out that if you have a commercial bar setup type of cable deal, it is actually remarkably hard to get streaming services on your TV. And so while like props to the places in the neighborhood that did it, I saw Murphy's had the game on. Um, I'm assuming Nisei found it, even though they were cranky on Twitter about the fact that that was something they were going to have to do. But it seems like MLB may have cut off their nose to spite their face here because sports bars are going to struggle to get all of these streaming games. And sports bars are a huge place where people go watch baseball. So it's just pathetic to see you know, I'm I'm here at the buildings that are owned by the Ricketts and the Cubs and nobody has the game on. Yeah. The the thing that also bothers me is because the whole 
way that they sold us specifically marquee network was now it'll all be in one place. There's no more searching around for WGN or ABC or any of that. It's just going to be here except for the ESPN games. Oh, and the Peacock games. Oh, and the YouTube games. Oh, and the Apple games. Like they're just carving it up yet once again, like only two years after they told us (laughs) they sold us it, the the entire idea the other way so it's annoying and the broadcast wasn't great it i said it last night on the sun ranto show that although i enjoyed watching cliff floyd get everything wrong that was entertaining i love cliff floyd cliff i did floyd too is but, outstanding. but it, it, although i i liked seeing him and i thought he did a good job even when he was working with marquee because I, I don't know if that's where he got his start but he's it was definitely there but like these guys didn't have any particular narrative. I don't think I'd ever heard of them before. I felt like I was watching some college baseball game at 1130 on ESPN four. And it just was like, I don't know. It just felt like a non thing to me. And, and, and I, quite frankly, I was bored by it. I was bored by this game too, especially getting carved up by Zach Davies. Like that's going to leave a bad taste in my mouth too, about Apple TV. We're and one and we got beat by last year's goat. Zach Davies. And I mean, goat in a bad way, not a good one. Dude, Zach Davies. I sort of knew in my heart that the Cubs were going to struggle against Zach Davies Mm -hmm. the same way I knew that they were going to struggle against Jose Quintana. Like, it's just one of those things when you have a pitcher who has not been very good for you and all of a sudden you have to face them. it, it, It seems like the Cubs, it doesn't even matter who's on the Cubs, like whichever iteration, whether it's the good Cubs or the scrubs, it, whoever it is, they are always going to struggle against that dude. And and they did not disappoint against Mr. Davies. They just yeah, it's like could when not they, scare that up at all. It's like when they face Quintana too. And luckily we're not, he pitched yesterday in the, in the no hitter. I know you. we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Quintana, we struggled against him too. Embarrassingly. It just kills totally. me well, every and- time. Poor Drew Smiley, man. Like, he keeps going out there, fifth starter, gives up three runs, gives up four runs, and sorry, sorry, Drew Smiley, no wins for you. Throw five innings, give up three or four runs, you will never get a win for this Cubs team because they, they're just not going to get you any run support. <laughs> yeah, and I looked it up. It's like 2.333s forever uh, runs per game that the Cubs have given him, and that's just not going to be enough. So, yeah, it's it, there's always one, right? There's always one tough luck pitcher. Sometimes they're the ace of the staff and you can't get them a win somehow. Uh, so it's been Kyle Hendricks before in like years that he had ERAs in the twos and the Cubs just didn't score for him. So he'd have a losing record. You know, it, win and loss don't matter. But, uh, you know, it just stinks for the guy that it happens to. Yep, it totally does. Um the only other note I really have from this game, and I can't remember if it happened this game or if they finally announced it on Saturday, but Nico Horner has gone to the IL with that ankle sprain. Thank you so much, whatever silly umpire he ran into. Like, dude, like, can, can we not have huge parts of the offense get hurt by running into umpires? Like, get out of the way, Blue. Like, seriously. But so uh, we are living in the land of Jonathan VR and Andrelton Simmons, uh, the, the land all of us wanted to be in at the start of this year, let me tell you. But let's talk about some Cubs wins before we talk about Andrelton Simmons. Oh my gosh, I can't even do this. Andrelton <laughs> Simmons and Jonathan VR. Uh, second game was quite fun, actually. The Cubs had a late rally. Wilson had a great at-bat uh, to start it to get on base, and then they managed to pull ahead 
Like, can we also talk about Kyle Hendricks was so gritty in this game and I loved it. He did not have quite the stuff that he had in San Diego when he came one out away from a complete game shut out, but he, and he wasn't getting that first strike as much as he did in that San Diego game, but he also never lost it. He had an inning where he struggled, came back out, got another inning of work done. I mean, I just thought that this was a really gritty start from Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, and it was helped along, uh, both pitchers got helped along by uh, Ted Barrett, who just had one of the worst games I've ever seen. Like, uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks, he he was not just getting the corner. He was getting the corner of the opposing dugout. He was getting, I, I mean, he was getting the corner of the batter box. It, so was Gallon, And it, it was just kind of like a nod. It was a bad game for offense. I think in general, just because of that pitters didn't hitters didn't know what they were looking at, but yeah, Kyle was giving up a lot of hard contact. Luckily it was finding gloves and he was giving up a lot of fly balls, which you worry about because he's supposed to be a ground ball pitcher and not get, and, and when he does give up fly balls, have it be weak contact, especially in that ballpark where the uh, balls tend to fly around because of the thin air in Arizona. So I feel like we got lucky in this one in some ways because Kyle didn't have his best stuff. I thought it could have gotten a lot worse. So I think gritty is a good way to characterize it because he worked through that with his new favorite bestie, Jan Gomes, who he obviously is having a bromance with, a, a pitching baseball bromance, because they, they've now linked up on two good starts together. And I think Kyle really trusts him. Uh, so I'm going to give some of the credit to Jan because because Kyle did. Kyle gave the credit to Jan, too. And Jan Gomes is the only reason that the Cubs even uh, won this game because he was uh, – it's the Gomes game. I think it from, from now on, if this game is – in any way meaningful in the future, which I doubt it is, it's the Gomes game. It's definitely not a meaningful game, but Gomes <laughs> did take Zach Gallon deep, and that was no small feat. Gallon has looked really good this year. That put that set the Cubs up quite nicely. Hat tip to Gomes for that. It was a real nice piece of hitting, and I mean, there's just not a lot to complain about in this particular game. Props to the Cubs for, for getting their runs late, for hanging in there, and then, you know... Uh, Tough pitcher, too, to beat Gallon, who he was dealing. I mean, this was a total pitcher's duel. Thank you, Mr. Ted Barrett, for almost the entire game. And the Cubs couldn't even break it open until the ninth when Gallon was gone. And luckily for the Cubs, uh, they don't have a very good bullpen. Their their bullpen, their starters have been keeping them in the games. And their bullpen has (laughs) been losing for them. But, uh Arizona off to a surprise start and gallons. One of the main reasons why to beat him, I think is a, is no small feat. Totally agree. Let's talk about this third game. It was Justin Steele's first 10 K game of his career. He looked outstanding. He was mixing up his pitches a little bit differently than he normally does. Uh, Really looked great and got helped by some, well, first, first, like kind of a defensive miscue and then some stellar defense from Seiya Suzuki, who misplayed a ball that turned into a triple, but then saved that run from scoring with a great diving catch. And you could sort of like, I don't know, I can't read Seiya's mind, but you could almost see the wheels in his head like that run is not going to score. That's my run. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, He's not going to let it happen. And I, I definitely love that. The Cubs got a leadoff bomb from Rafael Ortega, who looks like he might be heating up a little bit as well. And honestly, I mean, this was just a great game. Sunday's game was awesome. 
Yeah, Ortega also does a lot of things. He took that lead off. Or he took that uh, bases loaded walk too in the in game two of this one, which I think that's what he was sent up there to do. Uh, not just because he was one of the lefties off the bench to face a righty, but uh, also because he's just got he's got those skills. He can do a lot of different things for you. One of them is really he's not the best right fielder or outfielder in the world. Like he's not or. Well, he plays all three positions, but but for, at, at the bat, he'll t- give you a really – I hate this kind of term, but for lack of a, another term, professional at bat. And I think what I mean by that is just he will take a lot of pitches. He sees a lot of pitches. He takes a lot of walks. He'll follow, he'll follow them off. That's why he's up there at the leadoff spot uh, so much. And for him to be able to also – hit you a leadoff dong and all of a sudden you're one nothing. I mean, he's got that pop in his bat too. So it's, I like, I like Ortega. I mean, he's a, he's a good, he's unfortunately a starter on this team uh, on any other. On any <laughs> I know other what you team, mean. <laughs> yeah. On any other team, he's like a great fourth, fifth outfielder, a bat that you could throw in there, a good pinch hit off the bench, give you that at bat you need against a, a maybe a bullpen guy on the ropes when you want to turn it, when you kind of want to turn it around or force the lefty righty matchup thing to happen or something, whatever you want to do. He's a weapon because he's got skills, but um, yeah, I, I did go say, I'm not going to complain about him because he did great in this series, but uh, the one I will complain about in this game is, and, and really every game I've seen him in, and I know Rick Sutcliffe agrees with me because he said as much is uh, Vargas, Ildemaro Vargas. He can do some things out there, but it's the routine play that really eats him up. There's a lot of baseballs just like going slightly off of mitts uh, that are getting through or they, they knock him down. Everybody's like, oh, he knocked it down. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't care that he knocked it down. He needs to get the ball. He needs to put it in his other hand and throw somebody out because there's a lot of plays that just aren't getting made. And because of it, I looked up our defensive efficiency ratio is just just. I mean, it's going, it's going to hell right now. Yeah. It's like, a, it's just spiraling down. And so I get that add him to the situation with, uh, Andrelton Simmons too, because I guess we'll be seeing both of them. Um, Andrelton Simmons came in as a, what a defensive replacement yesterday for Ildemaro Vargas, but Simmons, I mean, he's only up because I don't think he was ready because he was batting under a hundred in triple a. Oh, I can't be ready. I mean, I, I, I think he was called up. That's a desperation move because Nico Horner needed to go on the injured list. And so now you've got Nico and Nick both on the IL and the infield is Wisdom, Simmons and VR and Vargas and Schwindel. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> look, oh. okay, wait, you know, credit to Frank the Tank. He was sent to Iowa for like 20 minutes took a middle seat ride to San Diego and then started crushing the ball on the West coast. Like, please, dear God, no, I do not want to go to Iowa. I don't think he's going to go to Iowa given where the injuries are right now and how hard he is hitting the ball. But you do love to see that type of a rebound from Frank, the tank that said he is still not a very good defensive first baseman. (laughs) No. And Rivas is better out there, but it's still after, after the amazing first baseman that we've seen in our lives, uh, wearing a Cubs uniform, it's just not up to snuff. And uh, for Rivas or Frank the Tank. But, yeah, he came up. He, he played in every single game on this road trip. And he, I'm looking at it right now. He had five hits with a double 
that was his only extra base hit. He didn't take any walks, uh, and he did strike out a fair amount. So it wasn't the best, but he definitely came through when it mattered in the game yesterday when he poked that RBI single right over the first baseman's head and got the job done. And that was kind of nice to see because he came out. Remember, he almost had the walk-off grand slam not or go-ahead grand slam. Yep. In San Diego. Well, all he needed really in that moment was a single. And this time that's all he got. So, but since coming back, he has raised his batting average from 202 to 218. Um, he's uh, raised his slugging from not that much, but from uh, two, two, uh, let's see, what am I looking at? Two, uh, 298 to 309. That's not much, that much. And his OBP went up 10 points. So, We'll take it, Frank. Frank the Tank, back in the back in the saddle again. <laughs> yeah, and him and Patrick Wisdom combined to put the team ahead, which was which was quite fun. Gotta love the the Wisdom double followed by Frank the Tank driving him in type of thing. Is how I, I thought that was gone. Down. I thought that was gone too. Yeah, yeah. And so not another one of those Frank the Tank balls that we got accustomed to seeing flying into the crowd, and it no it longer does. Yeah. yeah a bummer um let's do some news and notes from around the league before we take a look ahead at this cubs pirates series uh the reds okay so it's not technically a no hitter because it was only eight innings and there's like some rules about like what gets called a no hitter or whatever we're gonna call it a no hitter the the reds did not allow a hit uh while they were playing the pirates and they lost because a couple of things were going on in this game that i just find ridiculous Number one, so this game was started by Hunter Green, who is this prospect the Reds have, who has already had Tommy John surgery once. Kid throws the ball like 102 miles per hour on the regular. He's a ridiculous, ridiculous pitcher. Uh, He's looking, he threw 118 pitches in this game, which just seems like malpractice to me. Like, I can't imagine that's a good idea. Um, Additionally... We've got, so you got that going on. He walks like two batters back to back in the eighth inning, gets pulled out of the game. Art Warren comes in, walks a third batter. And then our pal Cabrian Hayes hits a fielder's choice, drives in the run. And, and that's it. There goes the no hitter there. Or there goes the, there goes the, there goes the win. Uh, but you still got the no hitter. So congratulations to the Reds who no hit the pirates and lost. Didn't win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you stink. Things like that happen to you. And uh, yeah, Hunter Green, I do. I would like to see him pitch. The The Cubs are playing the Reds next week. And I was like, huh, maybe I can swing out there for a little for a game or two. But he'd be one of the ones on their team that I'd like to see. Plus, I got a pretty good chance of a Cubs win if I go see him play the Reds, I figure. So that's <laughs> that's uh, another reason to head out there. But um, yeah, he, Good young pitcher. I agree with you that that's probably a little much to do on a young arm. And I tuned in as soon as I saw it was a no hitter and he was throwing a lot of, he wasn't throwing a hundred two anymore. I'll tell you that much. He was relying on his uh, uh, breaking stuff and his off speed secondary pitches mostly. And it wasn't working because he was walking everybody. He lost his control. That's how they lost. So there's your malpractice too. You lose the game because you were just let him walk two in a row. Like, you should have just got him out of there totally. knowing that it's a tie game 
He's now relying on his breaking balls. It, it must have been been like, well, let's see what we got. Let's see what what we, how we can push him. But who knows? Like, we'll see how he'll respond in his next start, which will be sometime later this week. They've got. I'm looking at it right now. They got Cleveland and Toronto on the road before coming home to face us. So he'll probably pitch. Actually, we might not see him depending how they set up their rotation. They've got two off days in the week, but. Um, you know, young arm like that after already having Tommy John. I agree. That's, I mean, I, you your old timers that. would say make him do it. But if you're throwing 102. I mean, that is that is like some Dusty Baker, like just keep him out there and let him keep throwing Mark Pryor, Carrie Wood stuff there. That you can't. It's one thing if it's like, I don't know. Who, who's like some crusty old guy who does like if it's a Zach Greinke no hitter like let Zach Greinke just keep throwing he'll you know if it's his last game ever go for it like who cares but not for not for this kid like I, I just feel like that's not great plus um if you were paying attention to Hunter Green earlier in the year and I was a bit because I thought the velo was so remarkable he's had some velocity issues like where he would like he'd come out and throw 102 and then the next start he'd be sitting 98 and 98 usually sounds great until you think about the fact that he was sitting 102 five days ago like you don't want to lose four miles per hour on your fastball so I feel like there's already been some red flags there and I just I I didn't like I I did not like that he threw that many pitches um and I kind of reminded me of the when Aroldis Chapman was getting overused by Madden and uh, Chapman had to uh, change the way he approached pitching. And he had been a starter, so he did throw other pitches, but uh, he had to rely on those pitches. It kind of reminded me of the similar situation. But, um, yeah, hopefully he's okay, but very interesting young pitcher. Anybody that throws over 100 that consistently is an interesting pitcher. I agree. The uh, but- AARP tour for the St. Louis Cardinals was on Sunday night baseball this week. And it is exactly as annoying as you thought it would be. I, I only watched about an inning and a half of this game because frankly, the Cardinals were way ahead. They just, they got to Carlos Rodon and they did not let up. And it was, it was, this game was a foregone conclusion. Well, very early uh, into Sunday night baseball, but Look, listening to a supposedly neutral booth and all they can do is talk about, oh, Wayno and Yachty have been this great battery forever and Albert Pujols is on, it's the last ride of Albert Pujols and blah, 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 blah. Like, I get it. They're old. They're old and they're winning and now we get to celebrate them all year long. I get it. Like, I just, I couldn't. I had to turn it off. Don't they know that everybody hates the Cardinals? Like, I don't think they do. I don't think they, they do. I mean, because even in the people are kind of annoyed by Cub fans, especially other NL Central fans, because we are a bit insufferable since we won the World Series. I agree. But there's a charm to us that I think is undeniable. Whereas Cardinal fans like like all my Brewers fan friends, my Pirate fan friends, uh, you know, my Reds fan friends, we could all agree. Screw the Cardinals. We hate them. Like it's and so for them to like just be lauding these guys and they have had a pretty ex- i mean a laudable career it's it's insufferable i can't i can't watch it when i saw that uh Pujols pitched even giants fans i saw on twitter were like 
oh, I'm a Giants fan and I'm really into it. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, I just wanted to throw up, you know? I mean, I did say that was the greatest thing on the internet today, but it was the greatest yeah. thing on the internet today because Pujols got knocked around a little bit. I think he yeah, gave I- up like four <laughs> runs, right? Two homers, a hit to Evan Long- Longoria. Longoria, my favorite part of that is Longoria asking for the ball that he hit off Albert Pujols, right? So Longoria gets a single and has the peace of mind to be like, I want that ball. I want the ball that I hit off a of first round <laughs> or first ballot Hall of Famer. I would like to display that over my mantle next to whatever other awards I have. <laughs> I like that he's given up as many home runs as he's hit this year. <laughs> I mean, but the meme for Cubs fans, and, and this is absolutely on point, so I'm glad they did it, was pointing out that Anthony Rizzo is a much better pitcher than Albert Pujols, clearly. Oh, yeah. He struck out Freddie Freeman. And has a zero ERA. John Baker. appearances. And John Baker in 2014 not only uh, got the win, has a 0.00 ERA and got three outs and induced a double play, and he scored the winning run after walking. So if you want to talk about position players pitching, I don't want to hear it. Like, there, where's where's John Baker's Hall of Fame plaque? Ben Zobra struck out Yadier Molina. Oh, now that's a better. Now that's my favorite pitching moment from a position player. Anything involving the Cardinals being sad, I'm for. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm annoyed by the whole thing. By the whole thing. I, and sometimes I get annoyed by position players pitching in a blowout like just in general, even though it provides for some good moments. But when it was happening a lot, when when the Cubs were just like every week throwing us Ben Zoberst out there to pitch just to save the bullpen, I was like, uh, this season's not going well. Like it was after it happens, it's like the novelty has worn off now. We've seen it all so much that it just becomes, it's like, is this professional baseball anymore? I guess football doesn't when they throw the fourth stringer out or whatever, just to, because we're winning by so much or losing by so much. But it's just maybe I'm an old fuddy duddy, but it never used to happen when I was a kid unless things went terribly wrong. And when it went that wrong, you were ashamed. You were like, I can't believe we had the Keith Moreland pitch or whoever would come in and pitch. You know, I don't remember specific instances, but didn't happen a lot because it was embarrassing and you wouldn't want to do it. And now it's like, it's entertaining. You know, we're clown people. We're the Harlem Globetrotters. I mean, I will say I'm going to disagree with this a tiny bit because I, I agree mean. with I agree with you that the yeah, it's not a good sign when Anthony Rizzo or Ben Zobrist is in the game to pitch like things have gone terribly wrong. That said, if you're one of the fans who stuck around till the eighth or ninth inning in a 15 run blowout, it's nice to be rewarded with something. And as a fan who has been that person before, like I, I, I distinctly remember a game in 2017 or 2018 where the A's were playing the Cubs and the, and I think Brett Anderson, like our old friend, Brett Anderson was starting. And all I wanted the Cubs to do was like tee off against Brett Anderson. And instead of teeing off against Brett Anderson, Brett Anderson was like shutting down the Cubs and the Cubs were down like nine, nothing almost immediately. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is awful. And I stuck it out at that game. And and I think I was rewarded by watching that might've been one of the, that was definitely a game where there was a position player pitching. I can't remember if that was Anthony Rizzo's first appearance or what, but it's one of those where it's like, I stuck it out. And so now I'm here (laughs) and, and now I get to see this like quirky thing that I wouldn't have seen before. Now that said, 
I agree with you that it's not a good sign. And frankly, it means baseball has gone terribly astray. And if you're still in the park at that point, you are definitely a diehard fan. Well, here's my other question about it too. Um, Is it in bad taste? Because the Cardinals won this game. So they're saving their own bullpen in a massive blowout win. Whereas I think the way it's usually employed is like in the a reverse. Loss. For so, sure. Yeah. The, the Cardinals are violating all the unwritten rules. Although the Giants <laughs> said they don't believe in the unwritten rules. So I, I think you're yeah. allowed to do whatever you want against the Giants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. I just, if it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and anything the Cardinals do, do it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I figure I should, Take everything I say about the Cardinals with a grain of salt because I'm biased against them. It does seem weird that we haven't seen the Cardinals yet, and it's like the middle of May. Well, the people who make the schedule are total idiots, so I, I'm i not surprised. I mean, they do such a terrible job, and that's an off-season topic for you and me maybe about how bad MLB is at scheduling their season that uh yeah we'll we'll talk about that sometime yeah that's (laughs) definitely a good off-season topic right now uh we need to take a quick break for our sponsors but stick around on the flip side we have everything you need to know about this three-game set between the cubs and the pirates starting at wrigley monday night and we're back all right danny i mean we were just talking about the fact that we haven't seen the cardinals at all it feels like we see the car the pirates every other day this is the third series between the cubs and the pirates so far this season, they are headed back to Wrigley Field. The last time the Pirates are here, the Cubs had a historic offensive onslaught and managed to lose three of four games of a four-game set. So it'll be interesting to see if the Cubs' bats can come alive, you know, more consistently this time and do some damage against the Pirates. To do that, they are going to have to do some damage against our old pal TBD, uh, and who is starting tonight, Monday night, and then JT Brubaker, who they've seen a couple of times before, and Mitch Keller. Uh, what do we think about these Pirates pitchers who the Cubs will face off against? Well, Cubs do pretty well against the latter two pitchers, the Brubaker and uh, what's his name? Keller. Um, the Keller. Yeah, we do especially well against uh, Keller. Hap loves hitting off of Keller. I looked up Hap's numbers. He's just he's batting like 700 or something. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, he, it's the Pirates don't have good pitching. Their uh, bullpen is not that terrible. That's how they beat the Dodgers in a bullpen game uh, last week. And so I don't know who they're going to throw up there. La- they threw this guy, Dylan Peters, out there the last time against the Dodgers. He did well. So we'll see who we, we have. I I, I kind of always hate when we have those games because then they like just mix and match against you the whole game. And if they get a lead, they can somehow protect it. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're looking at. The um, it, I looked up some of the Pirates, uh, the stats that are against the Cubs, like if you compare them like as a team. And offensively, we're the same team, like just right next to each other in homers, in OPS, in stolen bases. Like everything is the same. And so that – should be interesting. We, we neither team has a lot of pop in there, so it's going to be hopefully some good games with a lot of action. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up the offenses because I was going to save this for a little bit later, but we can definitely no. talk. Oh, it doesn't matter. 
please. <laughs> we can definitely <laughs> talk about it now. I sort um, before each of these, I, I look at the leader leaderboard for team stats on fan graphs. I always sort it by WRC plus because WRC plus is a park adjusted and team adjusted um, stat. So you can compare offenses more consistently that way. The Cubs are 21st in WRC plus in MLB right now with a WRC plus of 92. The Pirates are right behind them, 22nd with a WRC plus of 90. And then if you think about this in terms of slash lines, I mean, the similarities are really, it's just kind of stunning. The Cubs are slashing 232, 309, 361. As a team, the Pirates are slashing 228, 300, 355 yeah, as same. a team. Uh, they w- both walk at strikingly similar amounts of the time. The Cubs walk 8.9% of the time. The Pirates walk 9.2% of the time. And then this is the last one I'll do, but they both strike out about the same amount of the time. The Cubs strike out 24.6% of the time. The Pirates strike out 24.1% of the time. So these are remarkably similar offenses. Yeah, which isn't a good thing. <laughs> just so y'all. No, they're not like, good. They're just yeah. similar. <laughs> yeah, they're just similar. So they could be good games. Our pitching is better, though, especially our bullpen is better than their bullpen. So I I like our chances in this series overall based upon that fact. You're forgetting that the back end of the good Pirates bullpen has absolutely shut this Cubs team down so far. Sure, but you got to be lo- – lo- if, if you're losing, so you just can't be losing at the end of the game so that they bring out their big guns and shut you down. Big guns. So- David yeah, well, Bednar. <laughs> yeah, well, he certainly carves up us up pretty good. Cubs are two and four versus Pittsburgh, so I'm Will not going to sleep on them. Oh, no, yeah. Will Crow Watch and out. David Here he Bednar. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, well. they, the Cubs have done nothing against the good Pirates bullpen. you got to have a lead going into the fifth or sixth inning if, if you want the Cubs to have a shot in these games. The Cubs will be rolling out Wade Miley again. I I mean, all, all I'm going to say about Wade Miley is what I said. Last time after his first start, like, I'm glad he's here. The Cubs certainly need an arm that can throw more starting innings and, like, actually get the game to, like, the sixth inning or so. He's going to have to throw some strikes. Like, he's going to have to actually throw pitches that the guys swing at and offer at. And I am hoping he throws more strikes that are not hit hard uh, this time than he did in San Diego. Yeah. And that's the thing is he, he didn't have that out pitch going. And so, and he couldn't get the third out. It was the same issue in two ways. So ends up walking five in his last start. And I don't know. I just, I smell a Tyler Chatwood and it's not good. Um, And we need him to be good so we can trade him, which (laughs) I mean, I I feel that way about all these guys right now, especially anybody that you're like, Oh, here's a guy that has a track record. If he can get it going, Somebody would take who doesn't need pitching help. Who's going into the playoffs. Now, according to Rick Sutcliffe, we should be trading away all our young studs out of single a and adding to this. Now that Miley's back, we'll be, you know, firing on all cylinders and you just wait until David Bodie hits the, hits the links. And then we're, we're right back there, baby. Dude, but uh, Rick, Sutcliffe, I love Rick Sutcliffe. I love listening to him on these game calls I I just have to say, like, every time he comes up with something like that and or overreacts to Ildemaro Vargas misplaying a ball, which he really does react to. It's like, it's Ildemaro Vargas. He's like the fourth string shortstop. Of course, he's going to misplay some balls. Sut is over there, like, ripping his heart out because Ildemaro <laughs> Vargas misplayed a ball. I It reminds me of two things. One, uh, I'm glad he was calling those games with Pat Hughes because Pat Hughes has a lot 
of practice dealing with a homer in the booth. Like Pat Hughes was with Ron Santo for how long? I feel like Pat was the perfect person to be calling games with Sut. Um, But the second thing is just, I love this. I think it's great. I think every broadcast crew should have a homer who calls the game exactly like fans on the couch. And I really feel like this might be a generational thing. Like if you are a Cubs fan who grew up listening to Harry Carey and you knew how much of a homer Harry Carey was, or you knew how much of a homer Ron Santo was, this is a throwback. This is like going back in time to listen to some of the guys you loved who helped you fall in love with the Cubs call a game of baseball and the younger generation is just not having it the the kids who grew up with like len casper are appalled and i'm like y'all just don't know what you missed (laughs) yeah well who's that old guy that's on the cardinals broadcast he's unlistenable um gosh who is it i try not to listen to the cardinals broadcast. oh i know i've heard it before but like it's the same thing as like my cardinals i think he might have retired now but um my cardinals fan friends just love this guy and he's terrible is it mike it's mike shannon that's what his name is yeah Yeah, and he's just he's i think he's actually been drunk like he got in trouble one time for being drunk he he's he's probably said many cancelable things because he's been on there since the 70s so i'm sure he's you could go back in the archives and cancel him but um this guy uh you know the cardinals fans love him He's a legend. And why? Because he loves watching the Cardinals and he lives and dies by what they do. And so that's what you want to hear because you want to identify with who you're listening to. You want to feel like you're with your buddies and you're having a beer, just like Sut, who sounds like he actually is drinking beer while he's talking to you. My one fear is kind of what I just said is that he's going to screw it up. He's going to pull. He's going to pull a Brenly. He's gonna he's gonna pull uh uh what's his name in Cincinnati with his uh Brennan Cast- Brennan with this Castellanos four nothing ball game and like you know because he's rough around the edges but that's also what you like about it so um I, I mean yeah. I like it I the other day uh, during one of the fifth innings that was being called by Zach Zaidman and Ron Coomer so I was walking around the neighborhood I actually switched to the Brewers uh, broadcast because that's the inning that. Bob Euchre calls and I I like listening to Bob Euchre like he's a homer he's he's hysterical he understands baseball he's great to listen to and you know there are very few guys who can pull off the I'm a homer for another team that is a Cubs rival that I actually want to listen to but Euchre is that guy and I don't know I like listening to Sup for the same reason I understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea I love it yeah, I love it too. And so it could be generational. I got, I saw, we do a, a game thread on the Sunranto Ranters Facebook page. And uh, I saw very few people not like it. Yeah, so, but most of the complaints I saw were on Twitter and they were all like younger millennials, Gen Z type people who just, I, I think have never heard a Homer call a Cubs game, right? Like I think they missed yeah. the Santo years and they missed the Harry Carey years. And so- for them, they hear that and they think it's kind of like Hawk Harrelson calling White Sox games or like, you know, all the guys they find annoying calling t- games for other teams. And I'm like, I kind of love this. Like, I I f- listened to a lot of Red Sox games that were called by Jerry Remy. Jerry Remy oh, lived great. and died with yeah. everything the Red Sox did. Just the great, great voice 
of the Red Sox, right? And I another I love great like example. That. Yeah, yeah, another great example. And even though I can't stand Hawk Harrelson, I can see why Sox fans like him. Right. So, uh, and and um, yeah, I I agree. You just you need that guy who's going to live and die with the team, who's going to get excited, like Ron Santo when when he was calling the games like in 2007 and eight, when the, those teams were on the March, I mean, I would walk around in the, at night in New York city, walking my dogs in the summer and just, I wouldn't have any idea what was going on in, in the game. It was just Ron Santos screaming. And then the, <laughs> eventually Pat Hughes had come in and kind of let fill us all in what was happening, but it, you couldn't tell if it was a scream of joy or anguish, or if the guy hit a double or was laying on the warning track injured. Like it all had just, just emotion and gut wrenching or, or when uh, Brant Brown dropped the ball, that's a pretty famous Santo moment, you know, um, but just the antics of it. And they forget that it's entertaining too. And, you know, Sutcliffe knows enough about the modern game and he still will do a little bit that at, of that old school back in my day, we used to bunt and bunting was part of the game. And, you know, nobody cared about your hard hit rate. All you cared about was hitting the ball hard and, you know, <laughs> stupid things that he would say, you know, like, but I enjoy it because quite frankly, look at uh, Frank Schwindel's hard hit rate. He hit the, he poked, he hit a ball to the warning track and it was an out in a glove that could have been a grand slam and then yesterday he won the game by poking a ball at 62 miles per hour over the first baseman's head so you know what Sut's right it 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 matters whether you win the game or not and whether you do the right things in certain situations in baseball and uh and I feel like there's a a good especially for those of I, I don't know I feel like they've almost given up on well, they forget that Gen X even exists as a generation usually, Always. but I, and I don't know if they've, they've given up on us, but they just maybe take us for granted as a situation, but he's perfect in the wheelhouse for a guy like me who is 10 years old in 1984. The red Baron comes over from Cleveland and now all of a sudden we got a team and that was a magical summer for me that really indelibly imprinted the Cubs on my heart. So to have, to be listening to Sut, man, it, it works for me real well. So probably a little too well. <laughs> I think it works for a lot of people. And I, the last thing I'm going to say about this, I think that Marquis has done a nice job of mixing things up. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm glad JD will be back on the in the booth for the homestand. Like, I love listening to JD. JD is hysterical. He's, he's a really, really good color analyst. And I'm we are lucky that the Cubs have him. I like listening to Boog. I know you and I disagree on that. I think that Boog is a nice mix of like younger generation and sneakers and sats and like kind of goofy and whatnot. But I also love that, you know, they've set up that pre and post game show with Cole Wright and with the different players who come in and out to chat with him. And, and it's very much a hype show, right? Like you got Carlos Pena yelling Placata and you got like all of the guys in there. Cliff Boyd comes in there and he does his, he does his thing where he's just so smooth. Like everything that dude talks about is smooth. Um, and, and you know, they're hype men. We're at the federal landmark. The Cubs are going to win. Like, you know, they're hype men, but Sut is a fan. He's not a hype man. He's not an yeah. analyst. He doesn't know stats. He is a fan of baseball and he's a gamer and he talks about the game like a fan of baseball. And the Cubs were missing that guy on their team. And I'm glad Rick Sutcliffe is there to fill that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. 
I totally agree. So, and you, you can have it all. And I think you do have, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see if they were having, I don't know where Jim is and hopefully he's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I do enjoy Jim. Jim and Len had a nice uh, rapport. I don't know that that's transferred to Boog. Uh, people just thinking, and that's the thing that kind of bothers me about what Marquis doing is that they are switching it around too much. And what they don't understand, and I think they're getting wrong, is that you got people want their guys and they want them to be the guys for a long time. You can't just plug in this person, plug in that person, plug in the next person because like Zach Zaidman on the radio is not the same as listening to Pat Hughes. It does matter if I'm listening like, I don't know, maybe Beth Moens and Rick Sutcliffe make a good team. Maybe Beth Moens is great, better with Doug Glanville, but it doesn't matter. That's all fill-in stuff. I want, and I understand people have their schedules and you can't, not everybody can do every day and you, people have emergencies that come up and life events, but you got to understand that we want, I mean, when Harry Carey wasn't in the booth, you didn't watch it, you know, like he was always in there and then it was not good. Otherwise, Steve Stone, Harry and Steve were incredible. Beth Moens and Jim Deshays have a real good rapport together. Yeah. The two of them really like I could listen to the two of them talk about baseball all day long and I'd be very happy about it. I doubt that they'll be able to, I mean, maybe, but I, I don't think Beth is ever going to be like a full-time voice for the Cubs. She does too many other things. Like she is the voice of women's softball. Like she is, if you watch the women's softball world series, like she's the voice you hear doing it. She has a lot of stuff like internationally. So she'll call softball for the Olympics. She'll call those types of games. Like she, she's, you know, she gets to do some things that are so cool that I almost feel like, you know, being the full-time play-by-play person for the Cubs wouldn't, wouldn't work for her. And then with Boog, you have the problem. Well, it's not a problem per se, but Boog, you know, does the ESPN call every Sunday, which means on the radio with Doug Glanville. And so that means that he's every Sunday and most Saturdays, Boog is out of the booth. So you need somebody else to fill in there during those times. I think that Pat Hughes has been a really interesting voice on TV. I I, I mean, Pat Hughes is a legend. He's just great. So I, it's not shocking to me that he's done such a good job there, but it's been, I was pleasantly surprised. I was worried that there might be some differences between the medium that would make him not quite as good to listen to on TV as the radio. And, and he's just excellent no matter where you put him. Um, well, he yeah. did the same thing because I was working while this game was on and I had the, it on, but I had it on in the background. So I do that all the time with Pat Hughes on the radio. So I just did it on the TV and then something would happen. And then I'd look over and see what was happening in the game because there's, you know, it's baseball. There's not like constant action. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it was kind of the same and it worked out fine. And the thing I love about it is Pat Hughes is paying attention to the game and he's telling you what's going on. If I was a blind person and I was listening to the regular Cubs broadcast on Marquee, I don't think I would have any idea what was going on. All of a sudden, there'd be two outs, and, and Boog would still be talking about sneakers. So, <laughs> and, and, and a guy he met once that I've never heard of, or, you know, or one time that he was in New Orleans, or, or anything, just anything but the game is what you hear about there, or like, you know, some dumb stat that doesn't matter. Or like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Pat Hughes hey. is invested in the game. Some and, of us like uh, those dumb stats, Danny. Well, oh. I know. And I'm saying there's places for all of it. It's just like, I don't want it all game. So I would rather listen to Pat Hughes is just telling me what's going on in the game. 
along with Rick Sutcliffe. Now I want Rick Sutcliffe's dumb stories and Pat Hughes tell me what's going on in the game. And Rick Sutcliffe's, you know, unabashed fandom. It's just, it's in his preference. I mean, I could see why a younger person who likes watching math on TV, would, <laughs> why they would like it. Sorry, I'm just going to go on. A, I know this is not the Sun Ranto show. On TV. No, what's funny about that is actually, so I did not watch the Apple TV broadcast because um, I'm not going to oh, do that. Like, I refuse. But I saw screenshots from people and they had they had a stat. So they've got like, you know, the line and it says, you know, average on base percentage, whatever. And then they have a stat off in the corner that is called the reach base probability. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this and have on base percentage and reach base probability up at the same time, and they are different numbers, I think you are obligated to explain to people what is going on there in terms of like what those numbers are. And so I asked some people on Twitter, hey, what are these numbers? Did the broadcast explain them? And as far as I can tell, a handful of dudes took great pride in being able to explain to me what they thought reach base probability was. Congratulations. I could have guessed those same things too. But nobody actually knew what they were because I don't think the broadcast ever explained it. They just kind of figured you would figure out that reach base probability changed based on the situation and on base percentage didn't. And they were talking about other things. And I think that is a broad, that's broadcast malpractice. Like if you have two stats that look like they should be basically the same and you're not explaining why they're different. Like that, you can't do that. Like you, or you shouldn't do that. I guess you can do it, but it seems like a bad broadcast practice. Well, you can look it up in the splits. You know, OBP will change depending on if you're an O and one count or no and two count, or two outs, one out, whatever it be. And that sixth inning versus first inning, you know, all that stuff will will be baked in the cake. But you're getting into some pretty minuscule, small sample size numbers that I don't know if are very predictive. So just right. telling me the math. If you're interested in math and you're like, oh, that's a weird stat. Well, I'm only interested if it like is somewhat predictive in what you think might happen. And may, and I think the more that these things are coming in, it's because this is, guess what? What the odds makers it's are looking gambling. at. And it's all, yeah, it's all. Yeah. And so they would love to uh, Apple TV. Where does it mostly exist? On your phone, on your iPad, on your uh, smart TV. Well, guess what? You can bake into those apps a way to gamble right in the app. Well, and, and they then- want they want you sitting at the DraftKings sportsbook watching the game with the reach base probability, and you place a prop bet on whether or not Frank Schwindel is going to reach base in the fourth inning, and now you've lost thirty dollars on nothing. Like I, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Those are all gambling it's, stats, but you it's co- it's called a shell game and you can go used to be able to go to Times Square and play it <laughs> and you would lose your money every time because you always thought the ball was definitely under that shell. So, always. Uh, yeah. We should get back to this Pirates matchup. Oh, We've yeah. been talking That's about right. other stuff for a while. We've only got a few we minutes have. of this show left. But uh, after Wade Miley, the Cubs have TBD listed. I've heard rumors that Marcus Stroman, if he is well enough to pitch, may take that start. So hopefully that turns into Marcus Stroman. If it doesn't, it's likely another bullpen game. And then Drew Smiley again. I mean, if the Cubs can get Drew Smiley four or five runs, he can probably at least get a no decision, but we'll see what happens with that game. Anything you want to add about Stroman coming back or Drew Smiley? Well, I just hope he's, I hope Stroman does come back because COVID uh, is pretty serious. My sister's caught a bad case recently and uh, I know it's been going around a lot. I know you know that for a fact. And it's just been, it's, it's been 
rough out there and people that you just don't know, like we don't, we don't know enough about like why people get bad cases and why people get mild cases and uh, people with long COVID. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. So if he doesn't come back, you wonder what's going on because it's been, he's would have then missed two starts. I mean, two starts would be about 10 days. So it, that doesn't make me too nervous. A third start would definitely make me really nervous. I'm hoping that he he's just back and better though. The case that I had, I, I mean, I was triple vaccinated. I was super minor, um, you know, kind of ran its course over about five to 10 days and then I was better and I was testing negative and I feel fine now. Um, but I, I'm still a little tired. I think that could be just life though. And- <laughs> And, and well, and that's the thing too, is because my, that's my sister's thing as well, is that uh, she's a teacher and she was supposed to have to go back to the class today and teach six classes. Monday's her heaviest day. And uh, she, I was talking to her yesterday. She's like, I, it, I tested negative, which test, that does, which means that I got to go back because that's the rule that we have at the school. She's like, I can't keep my eyes open. I'm so exhausted. I, and I'm just like, I'm going to try to sleep today. And I'm like, Hey, if you need another day, like it's a negative test doesn't mean you feel good. So that's what you worry, worry about Marcus Stroman is that not only did he not catch a, a tough case, but that it doesn't linger on him in a, any kind of energy way, because <laughs> you're going to need your energy out there. And it, to perform at this high of a level, especially as a pitcher, like it's not like you're just going to go stand out left field and hope the ball doesn't get hit to you for an afternoon. It's your, your showtime. You're the stro show. And if you can't be on, I don't know that you can start. Um, yeah. And what does that push you back a, a little bit? So yeah, let's just all wish, wish him the best. And yeah, get, get Smiley some runs with Miley. Don't walk anybody. Stroman get better. And Smiley, uh, it, you know, get by your offense some uh, some Red Bulls before the the game or something like. Come Anything. in with a case of Red Bull and uh, try to get your offense going. Get the get these guys some runs. Uh, the Pirates have some hot hitters, and one of them is exactly who you think they are. Ben Gamble over the last few weeks yeah. has a WRC plus in the one forties. Uh, Cabrian Hayes has also been super hot, and so has Roberto Perez. Uh, dude, Ben Gamble, man, like every. He is such a Cubs killer. It drives me absolutely bonkers. I mean, he's coming into Wrigley hot. So keep an eye on yeah. that dude. Dan Vogel back too. Uh, two homers in the last week. Uh, and ex-Cub Daniel Vogel back. Although he never played a game really, with the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, did No, did he ever actually play for the Cubs or he was just like the guy blocked by Rizzo? I think he was the guy blocked by Schwarber. Like you couldn't have two dead. <laughs> like, he, like he was kind of blocked by Rizzo, but like really the comp was Schwarber. Like you could not have both of those dudes on your team at the same time. I think he used to try to meet girls that way. He would go out to bars, be like, Hey, I'm Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, let's talk about the Cubs offense. That does not include Daniel Vogelbach or Kyle Schwarber for that matter. Uh, the hottest hitters on this team have been Alfonso Rivas has stayed hot. His WRC plus is at 134. Wilson Contreras still super hot after that great road trip. Um, he has a WRC plus of 131. And then Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom. These are all within the last three, three and a half weeks, by the way. I'm not running season-wide numbers anymore, running uh, recent numbers. Um, but Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom both uh, have a WRC plus of 121. They have stayed hot as well. Um, anybody else you want to talk about on the Cubs back side? Well, I will talk about Patrick Wisdom. He's leading the team in homers, so you're going to take that. 
as you got to have some guy leading it. And it's no surprise that it's Patrick wisdom. It hit the most last year too. the strikeouts though. Oh, I mean, 50 strikeouts and 107 at bats. I mean, that is the thing that becomes unplayable at a point. I saw in this last series, and it was against a very good pitcher, Gallon. But I mean, he's taking those really bad kind of, he's just getting fooled swings. And uh, so it's just something to watch for. As long as his average stays at 224, you're going to be okay. But the 282 OBP is what I don't like. And could the guy like grow an eye because uh, the the walks, he's taken eight walks to 50 strikeouts this year. So that's, that's kind of who I'm watching because I don't know what their future plans for Patrick wisdom are. Is it just going to use him up and then get somebody to replace him with and just DFA him at some point? I don't know what it is, but like that is a valuable power bat, but you got to cut down on the strikeouts. That's I'm wondering like what they're doing to do that. Like, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, Patrick Wisdom's strikeout rate is currently 42.7%. I find that he is most effective when he gets that number under 40%. That that's usually, I mean, God, I'd love him to strike out only 35% of the time, but that just seems like it's never going to happen. But when he's striking out even like 38% of the time, he's got enough power that he's usually getting doubles. He's getting home runs. He's being a productive member of the squad and don't forget he has a really good good glove like I would rather see Patrick Wisdom at third base than pretty much anybody else on this team including a healthy David Bodie when he comes back and yeah. longtime listeners of this show know that I'm a big fan of David Bodie's defense too but I think that Patrick Wisdom has a plus glove a plus arm and a ton of power and if he could just strike out like five percent less yeah that's just i mean i i I made it had made a note of it as that i just want to see him strike out less i just it's got to at least it's not a 50 percent. but you know he goes through those moments where he'll strike out 20 times in a week i mean it's insane and so i'm just hoping he can straighten that out and um yeah but i you know i I like what i'm seeing I, i this is a fun when this offense clicks like it did this week uh, they can be f- a fun team to watch because they're scoring a lot of runs with some action with uh, not, not, they're not doing it with home runs. They're doing it with the power and they're scrapping them out. And that's more fun to watch dudes run around the base than just trot around the base slowly. Yeah. If the Cubs offense ca- gets it together this week, we will be talking about it all over on social media. Uh, Danny, where can people find you if Patrick wisdom manages to strike out a little bit less? Uh, well, I will be on uh, Twitter uh, at Sunranto if I don't get thrown in Twitter jail again like I did yesterday for making fun of Bill Maher. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be on Sunranto on Twitter. I'll be tweeting all, all these games. I'll be at the game tomorrow night if you want to come say hi. I don't know where I'm sitting, but I'll be out there. So just tweet at me and uh, buy me a beer. I'm always happy when people do that. Awesome. Uh, If you want to buy Danny a beer, find him on Twitter and then figure out where he's at at the ballpark tomorrow night. Uh, If you want to find me, I am at BCB underscore Sarah. I think I'm going to go to Thursday night's game, which is the start of the Diamondback series, and it might be the next Kyle Hendricks start. So I'm looking forward to that one. If anything interesting happens prior to that, though, you can find my takes on my Twitter account or on the podcast Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. Wherever you are listening to the show, be sure you subscribe and leave us some five-star reviews so other people can find the show as well. Until next time.